Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the New Testament book of Philippians. The New Testament book of Philippians and Philippians in chapter number four. The book of Philippians and chapter number four. We're starting a brand new series tonight dealing with the book of Philippians and we're going to be surveying and going through this entire book in the upcoming weeks on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and we're looking forward to exploring uh, exploring it even now, giving you an overview and letting you see what this wonderful book is about. We find our way in the book of Philippians in chapter number four. Now, for those of you who are around us, we know that the theme for our church this year is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. We know that joy is not a smile on your face that's painted on. Joy is a peace that passeth all understanding. And that the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That as we know who Christ is and know his person, we joy in whom he is. And once we joy in whom he is, he provides his strength to us to accomplish what he has given us to do. And that is the secret that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And in uncertain times when you don't know what's going to happen, when things are out of schedule, out of whack, when there's so many things that are unknown, you can still have strength in these uncertain days. And you can still have joy in these uncertain things days because we put our faith and trust in the unchanging person of Jesus Christ. Now we find our way in the book of Philippians chapter number four. The book of Philippians chapter four and tonight what we're going to do is just introduce this book, give a quick survey, let you have an understanding of what this book is about as then we start tackling it piece by piece a little bit more in depth and detail that we have an overview of the entire book so that way we can understand the context of its individual parts. Notice with me the book of Philippians chapter 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Eudeus, and I beseech Synthache, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help these women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other of my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, 
Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. And the God of peace shall be with you. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Philippians chapter number 4? The book of Philippians chapter number 4, notice with me in verse number 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 4, notice the phrase, rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. And with this, as we do a survey of the book of Philippians, we see the idea of joy in Jesus Christ. Joy in Jesus Christ. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, if you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you again for you being a wonderful God. Thank you for the great privilege it is to be in your word, to be here, to open up your Bible, to see more of you. Help us to understand more about what you're trying to teach us. Teach us what the secret is, that the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we survey this book, let us fall in love with this wonderful epistle. Let us understand what the purpose of it is, what's being accomplished here, and how it points to the Lord Jesus Christ. Again. With everything going on, I'm asking that you would settle my mind, my heart, my spirit. I surrender them all to you and ask that you fill me with your precious spirit for the purpose that you could get your own work accomplished through your precious word. We love you and we can trust you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I had mentioned before, the theme of the book of Philippians carries the idea of joy. It's something you see over of rejoicing and joy. And we understand we have a reason to rejoice. We have a reason to joy. And that's because of the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. As I had mentioned, the theme for our church this year is that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so it is no surprise to come to this book because what we find is that we do have joy when we get to know the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you get to know him and that you make him your goal, your desire, we have a joy, a peace that passeth all understanding, a peace that does not make sense. And when we put our trust and our hope and our faith in the knowledge of who Christ is, we now have strength to go on in uncertain days and in uncertain times in all situations. The emphasis we placed in verse number four is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Do you know that this is a command as much as an encouragement? We are to rejoice always. That means no matter what the circumstances, your tire blows, rejoice. You have a bad day at work? Rejoice. The government does something stupid. We can still rejoice. We don't have to rejoice in those circumstances as we are rejoicing the God who's still in control of all circumstances. We look beyond the circumstances to the God who's in control. He is the one we trust. We cannot put our trust in people. They will let us down. May I say we can't even put our trust in us. We will disappoint ourselves. We can't put it in the government. That's always a bad idea. You can't put your trust in anything else 
other than Jesus Christ who will never fail you, never discourage you, never disappoint you, never let you down. It goes on in verse number 6 where it's talking about this. You're supposed to rejoice in who? The Lord. Not just rejoice just because. We put our trust in God. Because of this, verse number 6, it says be careful. That word carries the idea of not to be worried, not to be anxious. You're not to be careful. You're to be careful for nothing. Nothing is supposed to worry you. Well, that sounds the opposite of most of us because we have things to worry about. We have things to be concerned about. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Be careful for nothing. Why? What are we supposed to do with it? We're supposed to bring everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. We're supposed to trust God. Now, we're going to cover this in detail later on. But what we're supposed to do is make our requests be known to God. Why? Because of whom he is. And when that happens, verse 7, the peace of of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Remember, we defined joy as the peace that is found in Jesus. When you put your trust, you could rejoice, you could put your hopes, your prayers, and requests, worries, and frets on Jesus. And you get your strength Because of the person of Jesus Christ. Verse 8. Finally brethren whatsoever things are true. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue. If there be any praise. Think on these things. You know the battleground is in the mind. What are you putting your hope and trust on? What are you spending the time of your thoughts on? It should be on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when you work on your thought life to look at Jesus, to put your things on him. Verse number nine, the things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me. Notice the word and. That is a English or that is a grammatical thing of putting the word and in a list to slow down the reader to make sure that you place emphasis on each one of them. The things which you have both learned and the things which you have received and the things that you have heard and the things that you have seen in me do. Notice that this isn't a passive thing. You on purpose have to put your mind on Jesus Christ. You don't wake up in the morning one day and go, Woo! My mind's on Jesus! It is something you do on purpose to think about the Lord Jesus Christ. But notice the end result. And the God of peace shall be with you. Well, notice it talked about, verse 7, the peace of God. And verse number 9, from the God of peace. We understand that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And the joy comes from knowing who the Lord is. So with that in mind, let's kind of survey this book really quick. And give a good running start. So that way when we tackle it, we have a better idea of it. Now, first of all, the context of it. Philippi was in the region of Macedonia, which is in northern Greece, um, in in the continent of Europe. And it was a strategic city in between Europe and Asia. Now, Paul had first visited Philippi on his second missionary journey that we find recorded in Acts 16. And in Acts 16, that chapter is dedicated to three specific people, which is representative of the church of Philippi, Lydia the demon-possessed slave, and the Philippian jailer. 
For Lydia, it, she represented as a real person a Greek, or sorry, an Asian, and was considered upper class. She was a seller of purple, which was very expensive. And so here she was, an Asiatic person who was a seller of purple, very rich, and yet Paul led her to the Lord. In fact, the church of Philippi had met at her house to begin with. The demon-possessed slave was a Greek, and it was considered one of the lowest class people inside of that society at the time. Then you had the Philippian jailer who was Roman and was considered middle class. And all three of these people had responded to the Apostle Paul. And it was from these people. Can you imagine Paul going back later and seeing the Philippian jailer and them reminiscing about how they met? How did they meet? Well, Paul was preaching the gospel. He was arrested and beaten by that Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas was thrown in prison. And at midnight, you know what Paul was doing? My ministry's failed. Everything's what? Why try? I'm tired of being beaten. At the time, his back is bleeding. They put him in a Roman cell. And in that Roman cell, they would have the stalks that would actually go over your legs. So you were forced to sit into the muck. Rats would climb all over. You're landing in water and mud and everything else. A very sanitary thing for your exposed back. And in the middle of the night, Paul's saying, well, I tried. Is that what Paul did? If you go back and read Acts 16, Paul and Silas at midnight began to sing. By the way, the context he sung loudly so that everybody in the prison heard. Now it may have started off pitiful, him and Silas. I heard an old, old story of a Savior came from glory. Silas said, Paul, that's pretty good. Next thing you know in the chorus, Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. Can you imagine singing at midnight, hearing Paul rejoicing in God? Where did he get his strength? From joy in the Lord. The joy of the Lord was his strength. And of course, there was an earthquake and Paul did not escape. And the Philippian jailer came and ran, fell on his knees. Sirs, what I must, must I do to be saved? And Paul witnessed to him and his household. And they got saved. And the jailer cleaned off his back. Can you imagine Paul coming back later and talking to the church and him and the jailer reminiscing about that? How would you like to be the church member there? The Philippian jailer. I mean, this is this little church was built off of. And this church retained a friendship with Paul like none other. Now, may I remind you that sometimes we have in the mind that churches are big mega churches. We did have Jerusalem. We did have Antioch. But those were... Um, extraordinary churches. The largest church of the area outside of Antioch and Jerusalem would probably be the church of Corinth, which had about 120 people. The church of Philippi had about 40 or 50. But yet they maintained a great fellowship and a friendship with Paul. And they never wavered on Paul's teaching. You had the church of Corinth that rebelled and tried to go against his apostleship. You had the churches of Galatia that said, listen, we're saved by grace, but we have to work to keep our salvation. And you had all these other churches that were rebelling. 
the church of Philippi never did. They stayed with him. In fact, they never turned their back on the gospel. And they never turned their back on the apostle Paul. They even sent love offerings to Paul. While he's in prison, they sent a special collection. Why is this so important? Well, in today's society in America, when you get thrown to jail, they give you food. In Roman society, they did not. If you were thrown in jail, you were dependent on loved ones, friends to come bring you supplies. And so the church of Philippi loved the Apostle Paul. And even though he's in jail, they raised money to help take care of the Apostle Paul. What a special bond. They sent their pastor, Epaphroditus, to go. And Epaphroditus got sick along the way, almost died, to make sure that Paul got this special gift from the church of Philippi. Again, it was such a special church. So now as Paul is in prison, and he takes pen and paper in hand, he's thinking about this church fondly. And the thing he wants to give them is that in uncertain days, you can still have strength. Because of the joy of the Lord is your strength. That it's knowing who Christ is and putting your faith and heart and trust in Him gives you the joy, a peace that passeth all understanding. And that gives you the strength to go on in uncertain days. As we take a survey of the book of Philippians, we notice first of all that Christ is our life. Christ is our life. Notice with me the book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. 21. The book of Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. It says, for, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What he said is Christ is my life. Christ is my purpose. Christ is my goal. Christ is who I want. My whole life could be put, summarized in one word. Christ. Because of whom he is. With this, we also see that to do things for Christ's sake, the Gospels give this synonymous, to do things for Christ's sake is also to do things for the Gospel's sake. So as we see that Christ is our life, that also means the Gospel is our life. Notice, if you don't mind, what it says about the Gospel. Notice verse 5, we see the fellowship in the Gospel. Verse number 5, Philippians 1, 5. For your fellowship in the Gospel from the first day unto now. And here he's giving reference of greeting the church of Philippi. And he's saying, guess what? We have a fellowship one to another because of the gospel. The gospel unites us. The gospel puts things. Even looking in a room like this, we all have different backgrounds. We're from different places. We're from different ages. And to be honest, I'm a nerd. I like nerd things. I like to study for fun. A lot of people don't like to study for fun. And so if it wasn't for church because of my age and because of my hobbies, you and I probably wouldn't get, spend a lot of time together. But you know what allows us to gather together in a room like this? For the purpose of Christ. And we have a common fellowship. Even though we have different backgrounds. We have different ancestries. We have different ages. We can all gather together in fellowship of the gospel. Because it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of who Christ is. That unites us together. Remember Paul is saying, for me to live, Christ is my life. He is my goal. Because Christ is my life, the gospel is my goal. We start with the fellowship of the gospel. Then we see this, the furtherance of the gospel. Notice with me in verse 12. Again, we're going to tackle all of this in detail 
in the upcoming weeks. We're just giving a survey now. But notice verse number 12. It's interesting. It talks about the gospel again. But I would ye, sh but I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things that happen unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Now, think about where Paul's at. He's in prison. He could have easily boo-hooed. His back has... Can you remember when he's in the <laughs> Philippian jailer? Think about he's remembering that Philippian jailer. He's in jail now, remembering what happened. What happened with the Philippian jailer? He was in prison for the purpose of seeing that Philippian jailer come to know Christ as a Savior. Why was God thrown into jail in Acts chapter 16? For the furtherance of the gospel. The Philippian jailer thinks about that. Paul was put into prison to win me to the Lord. These things were done to the furtherance of the gospel. Now that Paul's in prison again, he says, this is no mistake. God knows what he's doing. The circumstances that have happened have happened for the furtherance of the gospel. Christ is my life. The gospel is my life. And God can do whatever he wants. And I don't have to be shaken. I don't have to be thrown up. I don't have to be thrown about. Because Christ is my life. The joy of the Lord is my strength because I know who he is. I can joy no matter what the circumstances are. I understand that God has a role for the furtherance of the gospel. We could see in this passage that the fellowship of the gospel. We see the furtherance of the gospel. Verse 27, we see the faith of the gospel. The faith of the gospel. Verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, listen, no matter what happens, if I get to come to you or if I don't come to you, the one thing I want to hear as a testimony of the church of Philippi is that you strive together for the furtherance of the gospel. That Christ has become your life. He's not just become my life. He's become your life. And that we're striving together for the purpose of showing everyone else about Jesus Christ. That Christ is our life. And that the joy of the Lord is our strength. As we joy in the person of Jesus Christ, He gives us the strength to continue on. No matter what the circumstances are, Christ is our life. As we go on, we don't just see Christ as our life. We see that Christ is our mind. Christ is our mind. Notice with me in chapter 2. And notice with me in verse 1. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but let every man also on the things of other. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. We're going to go on in just a second. But I want you to put your attention on how many times the Bible puts the word mind. Verse 2, like-minded. Into verse 2, mind. Once again in verse 3, mind. Once again you'll see in verse 5, let this mind be in you. That Christ is our mind. 
You know what God is doing with you right now? Is he's helping you develop the mind of Christ. What does that mean? He wants you to think like Christ thinks. That if the joy of the Lord is our strength, that knowing who the person is of Christ, we, God is not satisfied with us knowing facts about Christ. His goal is for us to think like Christ. To have that same mind of Christ. What is the mind of Christ, by the way? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. You know, most of us have no problems being a servant to a degree, but we have a problem with the no reputation. Because we all want to be recognized. We want the attaboy, the pat in the back. We want someone to say you did a good job. But to do, <laughs> have the mind of Christ is to be willing to do the job even if nobody recognizes you. Even if no one appreciates it. Even if nobody cares. Having the mind of Christ is to be doing it whether you get recognized or not. There's something about flesh that it loves to be petted. It loves to be adored. It loves to be recognized. But to have no reputation is something that's hard for any of us. The most timid person among us still wants some sort of recognition. That they did a good job. That they're worth something. Are you willing to serve? Are you willing to go on? Even if people don't appreciate it. Notice as it goes on. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in a fashion of man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. What is the mind of Christ? Well, he humbled himself and became obedient. You know obedience is the only thing that Christ ever learned? You say, but he knows everything. Yes. What we learn is that obedience is something you don't get from a book. It only comes by experience. You have to on purpose learn to obedience. You have to on purpose to become a servant is to obey. Remember, what is the only job of a servant? Most people will say to serve. That's incorrect. The only job of a servant is to obey. If the master told the servant to stay here and do nothing, the obedient servant stays and does nothing. The busy servant disobeys and goes find something to do. If we're going to have the mind of Christ, that includes obedience. We are to obey. And if God says, do this, we do this. If he says, sit here and be still, be still. If he tells you to wait, oh, we hate to wait. But waiting is the ultimate form of worship because it shows that you can trust in him. And so often God puts us in a position to wait just to see if we're willing to trust in him. Is Christ your mind? And of course it goes on. Let me show you one more thing. Is Christ your mind? Again, I'm giving a survey. We're going to tackle this in detail soon. But notice one more thing in this passage here of Christ is our mind. But notice if you don't mind. <coughs> Let me find it now. Uh, verse number 12. Verse number 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, there's that idea of obeying again, not, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, 
Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Don't let that phrase uh, scare you. Some people think that idea, work out your own salvation. And they have the idea, am I saved? Am I not saved? Am I saved? Am I not saved? I'm trying to work it out. I need to make sure this is an important decision. That's not what it's speaking about. What it is speaking about is that working out your own salvation is working out why did God save you? God saved you for a reason. There was a purpose in his will of why he allowed you to accept Christ as a savior. As you say, now God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But let me tell you, with that salvation comes a purpose. He didn't save people to sit there and do nothing. He saved you for a reason. And the reason you're to work out your salvation, because it is a very serious thing to understand why did God allow you to come to life? You were created for a purpose. Why did God go through the effort of sending someone your way with the gospel so you could get saved? Why did God place you in a church like this? Why did God give you a Bible? Because he has a purpose for your life. There is a reason you are to be saved. And having the mind of Christ is understanding why God saved you. You're saved to be an obedient servant. You put your faith and trust in him and the joy of the Lord is your strength. We understand as we survey the book of Philippians, we see that Christ is our life. Christ is our mind. In chapter 3, we see this. Christ is our goal. Christ is our goal. The two greatest believers of the Old Testament and the New Testament, without a doubt, would be Moses in the Old and Paul in the New. And did you know at the height, the zenith of both of the ministries God had granted them, they both had the same prayer. Moses' prayer was in Exodus 33. Paul's request was here in Philippians chapter number 3. Notice with me in verse 10. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. That I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings. Being made conformable unto his death. And on your own time I encourage you to read. Verses 7 through 11. That brings the context together on this. And again we're going to cover it in detail. But you know what Paul's goal was? To know him. Now this is the apostle Paul. Who's currently in prison. After his three missionary journeys. And a journey to Rome. He's already been used to give revelation, inspiration of scripture. God used him as a human penman to pen the book of Romans. To pen the book of 1st and 2nd Corinthians. To pen the book of Galatians. To pen 1st and 2nd Thessalonians. To pen the book of Hebrews. And now while he's in prison, he is also writing the book of... of <coughs> Excuse me. He's writing the book of 1st Timothy. He's writing the book of Ephesians. He's writing the book of Philippians. He's writing the book of Colossians. That's most of the New Testament. God has already used him to see these things. And yet, you know what his prayer is? That I may know him. He wasn't satisfied with what little knowledge he had. He knew that God could be known more. And that was his goal. Christ is my goal, that I may know him. Where do we get strength in uncertain days? It's not by saying, well, I have enough Bible, I'm good. It's not from saying, you know what? I know about everything of Christ that I need. 
you will quickly find that your well will run dry no matter how deep you have it if you don't continue to plug yourself and abide in Christ. It must be God. He must be your goal. And it doesn't matter how long you've been in the ministry. It doesn't matter how quote unquote big you are. It doesn't matter how many people you've seen come to know Christ. It doesn't matter how many books you've written. The goal should always be the same that I may know him. That I may know him. You should know more about Christ today than what you did a month ago. A year ago. Two years ago. Five years ago. That it should be the never ending pursuit of Jesus Christ. That he is your goal. What is the goal of your life? That I know him more. That I know him more. That I know him more. And if that becomes your goal. If that is your life to know him more. You will find that you will have the spiritual strength. And no matter what you may face in uncertain days, uncertainty, persecutions, laws, people, you'll be able to have the strength because you're plugged into Christ, abiding in Him. He is your goal. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Which brings me to one last thing here. That we understand that Jesus Christ, He is our life. Christ is our mind. Christ is our goal. Then we see as we continue surveying the book of Philippians, Christ is our strength. Which makes sense. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That as we know him, we have a peace that passes all understanding. We joy in the person of Jesus Christ. He also becomes our strength. Notice with me in the book of Philippians chapter number 4. The book of Philippians chapter 4, notice with me in verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Where do I get my strength? Through Christ, knowing Him. Now in the context of this, it's in regards to missions specifically. Remember, this church had been used to give to the Apostle Paul while he's in prison to help with his missionary journeys. They've given to him before and they've given to him again. They've continued to go on. And by the way, this is not a rich church. They're a poor church. By the way, as I said before, they're a small church. In regards to what we consider things. Only 40 people. And yet they've been used. And Paul is reminding him. That continue to go on. God will strengthen you. Even as you continue to give. And it talks about that. That they continue to give. Verse number 17. Not because I desire a gift. He's saying God's going to continue to use you. To continue to give and receive. Not that I desire a gift. But I desire fruit. May abound to your account. May I pause here. And let me tell you something. If you've never understood this before, God doesn't need your money. God doesn't need your talent. God doesn't need your time. Now, I know that may sound opposite to what every Baptist preacher likes to say. God wants to use your talent. He wants to use your time. He wants to use your finances. But he doesn't need you. Every once in a while, someone will get the big head and feel like, if I'm not part of this church, it's going to fall apart. Well, listen, if it's God's church, it's going to go on whether you're there or not. God will take care of his stuff. But he's encouraging these folks here that I want you to continue to give, not because God needs it, but because I want blessings to go upon you. As you honor God, God will bless you. He will strengthen you. You continue to do what you're supposed to do. Verse number 19, as a follow-up reminder of this, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people like to take that out of context. I don't know how many lost people or people that's not in church try to claim that verse. 
But in the context, it's in regards to giving to missions for the purpose of letting the gospel go out. And that God will continue to supply your needs as you are being used to help supply. It's like a big faucet, a channel that you pour in liquid and it comes out the other side. And as long as you're allowing it to flow through you, it's going to keep pouring. But when you plug up that hole, you're no longer giving out. Well, you can't put any more. It stops. Here, it's given the principle that as you are continuing to be used of God, to use of your time, your talents, your finances, for the purpose of Christ, that God will also continue to provide the strength, the supplies, your needs, finances, to continue to be used to see his work get accomplished. That's the promise we can claim. That as we're obedient to God, he will supply what we need to continue to be obedient to him. Now that's a blessing too. Because sometimes we look and say, well, I don't have what's this. I don't have this. I don't have this. For example, I have preachers today that said, I want a max. Well, we got a max. They don't. But you know what? <laughs> they can go without a max and try to do the best they can. And God could continue to supply for them in the absence of it. Someone will say, well, we don't have a pianist. We don't have this. We don't have this. Well, you know what? God's able to supply and take care of those things as we use what we have and give to the Lord. And God is able to take care of it. Why? Because God said he's going to build his house. We could trust him to get his own work accomplished. We're just obedient to what God's given us to do. He takes care of it all. Little as much when God is in it. And so as we go through the book of Philippians, we could definitely take our theme, which comes from the book of Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That our goal, our purpose is to know Christ. And as we know Christ and find him, and we joy, have peace in the person of Jesus Christ, he supplies the strength we need to continue to go on even in the face of uncertain days, even in the face of hostile days, even in the face when it doesn't seem like things are going to work out. God is able to give us strength to continue on because of who Christ is. And so I want to give you some encouragement as we go study the book of Philippians. It is a book of joy, but the joy is not the goal. God is the goal. The joy is the byproduct of the goal. We follow after Christ. He supplies our needs. He supplies our strength. He supplies the joy. Our purpose is to joy in the person of Jesus Christ. So as we give this reminder and give this overview, may I say this question? How is your strength? How is your strength? Remember, the goal is not the strength, it's a byproduct. But it is a byproduct that are you plugged into Christ or not? Do you feel like, I can't go on? Well, let me tell you the answer is, is to plug into Christ. If you want to see Christ use you more, plug into Christ. Maybe I'll ask this question. Is Christ your goal? Is that the purpose of your life that I may know him. Maybe you've never been challenged on such a thing. Maybe it's never been pointed out to you in such a way. Maybe there's someone tonight that needs to come and say, Lord, I am making you my goal. You are now the goal of my life. 
If you've never done that, may I encourage you that this would be a first step for you. Just to come and just surrender yourself now and say, God, I want to learn more about you. I want you to be the goal of my life. I want to be my life study of knowing you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.